0: Now, another Rock Sports Network
1: presentation.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Inside Pitch, Rochester's premier baseball talk show. I am Sal Mayorana, and I am with my good buddy Jim Mandelero. Inside Pitch is brought to you by Calabasas Deli. It's still grilling season. Yes, it is. How many days in the nineties or eighties? Thursday is the
1: 95th day we've been in the 80s in 2016. Lovely. I'm really really enjoying (laughs) You don't like it.
2: I'm really enjoying this. But give your grill a thrill with Zweigel's hot dog, sausage, and a full line of deli meats for your backyard barbecue. Keller Brasella's Deli, 1386 Buffalo Road in Gates.
1: Okay, so today on Inside Pitch, we'll discuss how the Boston Red Sox have turned the tightest race in baseball, sale, into something of a runaway. We'll also look at the wild card races, and it's really wild in the National League and whether David Ortiz is turning in the greatest season of any player over 40.
2: All right, in our seventh inning stretch, we will take a closer look at the AL East. We'll bring in um, the Bronx bomber Gary Sanchez, who last night, again, a two-home run game. Absolutely unbelievable. And then we'll take our weekly stroll down memory lane with This Week in Baseball.
1: And in the bottom of the ninth, Dale and I are going to talk about an issue that really perturbs us in baseball. So... Leading off with, I know, your favorite team, the Boston Red Sox. Sales says we're not friends anymore if the Red Sox beat the Cubs in the World Series.
2: I'm disowning him. We're so, done. So
1: I'm looking for a new partner. <laughs> um, one week ago when we taped this, the Red Sox led the Blue Jays and the, Red, and the Orioles by two games. Right. Today as we taped this, five over the Blue Jays, six over the Orioles, and... It's, I don't want to say it's over. I don't want to jinx them, but with 10 to play, it's looking pretty oh, it's,
2: good. It's over. Nobody's going to catch them. It was a demoralizing weekend for the for Yankee fans. The Red Sox just, you know, New York had leads in three of the four <coughs> games, I think, by three runs or more and just couldn't hold on. They played five innings of baseball. Every night the Red Sox played the last four innings of every game and swept the Yankees. Um, the Yankees are still on the fringes of it, but that's where Boston took control. That was a humongous See, I would, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say it was the Boston Massacre <laughs> revisited from 1978. We'll see. But it was obviously the turning point of their season. I would think. <coughs> well, let me tell you, Red Sox.
1: that was the night the Bills played the Jets. And, of course, the Bills had their struggles, as we know. And the Red Sox were getting killed, I think it was 5-1, to one, yeah. by the Yankees. And I stopped watching the Red Sox game because the Bills, you know, they took the lead. They were in it. I went to bed, upset about the Bills, knowing the Red Sox had lost, said, let me see what the final score was. I see a picture of Hanley Ramirez, and I'm thinking I'm on the wrong day. And it says, like, his home run. Couldn't believe he had a three-run homer to win the game. From there, they took off. They, I think they trailed in all four games. Uh,
2: three for sure. Maybe three it was sure. all four.
1: Um, they trailed twice to the, in a row to the Orioles this series. So never say die with the Red Sox. And, you know, I'm watching last night, Wednesday night, what should be the third out to preserve a one nothing lead for Baltimore turns into this, error by the pitcher that scores a couple runs. No, oh, error by the first, base first baseman. First baseman, right, who fired the ball. Right, he was distraught, too. Yeah. Like it was 80-mile-an-hour fastball from 10 feet away. Andrew Benintendi, the hot rookie for the Red Sox, left fielder, hits a three-run bomb, and it's over. Clay Buckles. Yep. I mean, it has a great game.
2: Yeah, that night you brought up the Bills game, so obviously I'm covering the Bills game that night. I'm in the press box, and I've got uh, <laughs> I've got the Cubs on my <coughs> iPad. I'm watching that while I'm covering the Bills game. But I was following the Yankees game, and I saw that it was 5-2 to two, um, after Ortiz hit the home run in the eighth inning, but I'm like, okay. And then I got busy, you know, I had to cover the game, had to work. And somebody about an hour later said, and it was Def Veronica, our good buddy, who was sitting next to me, and he was, scrolling through Twitter and he said, oh, the Red Sox won again, or whatever he said. I said, <laughs> "I said, no, you're reading that, there's no way. They were up, five, it was 5-2 yeah. going to the ninth yeah. with, with Patantis on the mound, yeah. I thought. I could not believe when I went back and watched the condensed game, I tortured myself and watched it again. That is the loss that I think crushed the Yankees season. It, it crushed them for the rest of that weekend. They never got over it. And then I think that was the loss that, even though they're, they're crawling back into it, If you recall at that time, I think they were like one or two behind, Baltimore and Toronto were there, and the the Yankees were the next team. (coughs) Now they've dropped behind three teams. Yeah,
1: it's gonna be tough.
2: Trying to chase Baltimore and Toronto. It was just a crushing, weekend, but it was the weekend that might spark the Red Sox
1: to great things this year. We could be talking about that. You know, in Red Sox-Yankee lore, there's always those moments. And, you know, the Boston Massacre in 78 was a big one for the Yankees. And, yeah, I I definitely think that's a turnaround because they haven't looked back since. And, uh, yeah, it's looking pretty good. You know, when you're a Red Sox fan, I don't think you ever get over. You know, you you never get too confident, even though they've won three World Series this century. But it's looking good. I just wanted to make the playoffs. It looks like they're there. Well what
2: worries me as a absolute Red Sox despiser <laughs> is that we all know they can hit. They're one through nine, they have the best yeah, lineup in all of baseball and it really isn't even close. I mean my Cubs can't even hold a candle to the Red Sox lineup one through nine. Yeah. But, you know, we all thought that Boston's pitching was what was gonna hold it back, but lately, Jim, they've pitched well. I mean, David Price is finally starting to pitch like the David way Price. he's supposed to pitch. Rodriguez had a good start uh, recently. Rick Porcello. has been, he's a 20-game winner now, right? 21. 21. So, I, mean, I just didn't expect that to happen. I didn't think the Red Sox would pitch. And if they can pitch along with this hitting that they have, they're going to be an incredibly tough out throughout the whole postseason.
1: Well, I know a week ago this was true, and I can't imagine it changed because they've been on a seven-game winning streak. They had the best bullpen in September which has been their Achilles heel right. all year. So if they can get that right, if they can get Koji to be the setup man and Kimbrell, I mean, I worry about them. I still think that's their weakness. But the problem with Boston is going to be after Price and Porcello. They need a good number three to step up. And, you know, Stephen Wright's thrown down in Florida. It'd be great if he came back, but you now never what's know his, the knuckleballer. his problem? He got he's hurt? He's got a shoulder injury or something. So we don't think thought,
2: Drew Pomeranz is the guy, right? I
1: can't well, imagine he's the guy. He's still in the mix, but he is, he's pitched like a five ERA with them since coming over. Yeah, he's another 4. guy that could be 1. great yeah. or not great.
2: His whip is 1.44 since he came over. Or that might be the whole year. No, I that's just his boss. Yeah. As they break it down by league
1: here. I think he'd be out of the rotation if they had another option.
2: So you, right now you're thinking that it could be Buckholtz as the third? Or would it be Rodriguez? No, I think
1: the third would be Rodriguez, Pomerantz, and. Buck Holtz will probably be the fifth. But he, he could pitch himself into that spot with another great outing. He has pitched pretty well right. since coming back into the rotation. But that's right. going to be a problem. If they get down, if that's even 1 1, and you got to go to one of those guys, that's why the home field advantage could be very important for them. And they're right on the, the Indians' next. Looks like it'll be Boston Cleveland in the first round. So let's talk about Ortiz. Um, I, I saw the stat last night. No player in their final year has had um, a 30 homer, 100 RBI game season season no no player ever's had a 30 home 100 rbi game in his last yeah in his, in his last, last year you're talking last year in his retirement year and he's done it the last four years so that's pretty remarkable yeah well
2: there's no doubt he he is an incredible hitter I, i'll give him that i don't like much about him otherwise but there's no doubt he's he's having the greatest walk-off year in the history of baseball i think you have a couple numbers you wanted to share too well he's right? got yeah, I mean Ted Williams, is Ted Williams
1: turned forty in nineteen fifty eight, but not until August thirtieth. So you can't really count that. He was thirty nine most of the year, and that was the year he hit three twenty eight. Typical Ted Williams: twenty six homers, eighty five RBIs. The next year, fully forty, he hit 254, 10 and forty three. So that was a bad year. He bounced back. That was the only year in his nineteen year career that he didn't hit over three hundred. He bounced back for nineteen sixty. The year he had that last home run in his final at bat. All right. Um, Ortiz is hitting 318 with 36 homers and 121 RBI. It's and amazing. 47 doubles. I know. At his speed and his age and he uh,
0: his th- weight.
2: There's no doubt, Jimmy, <laughs> he is a tremendous tremendous hitter. Is he a Hall One of Famer? One of the greatest all-time. If if the if the steroid cloud wasn't over him, you don't be in DH. <coughs> don't like Dh is going to the Hall of Fame. Your argument is that it's a it's been a position for 40 years, but he would be pretty tough to keep out of the Hall of Fame
1: I'm, with I, the numbers he's put up. The D H thing's not an issue to me, but I don't know if there's a cl- I don't know if there's an a cloud on him like there is others though. Do you? Well, no, there probably
2: isn't. But his name was on that list. I, I was listening to the radio, um, the other day, and somebody I forget who it was said that he knew there was a guy that, from the Norfolk. Tides, a, a Latin pitcher, who he was real good friends with, who came up in the, uh, I think it was the Twins system. We're, I'm not sure, he st- did he start
1: there? Yes. He came to the Twins, yes. didn't he? Not but Rochester, though, but yeah, he was. He played for the, twins I, the twins. I
2: know that, but did he come up in their system? Yes. Or was there somewhere else he no, came No, he for? came up in their system. All right, so wherever he came up in, in whatever system it was, this guy had firsthand knowledge that even back then, he was taking steroids. So, and that's totally, you know, this one guy, who claims to have been a teammate of his in the minor leagues, knew it firsthand at that time. So whether he went on and continued to do it, his name was on the name was on, on the, the, the famous list, so you got to think whether well, there's smoke, there's fire. Now, who knows what he's done in the last, whatever, it's been 10 years of his career, if he was still juicy. He hasn't failed the test, as far as I know. So I don't know. There is a cloud over him. You cannot deny... There's a cloud over David Ortiz. Well, there was
1: a cloud over Mike Piazza, and he got in. And he got in eventually, so yeah. But
2: it seems to me the cloud is a little bit darker over Ortiz, though. It just seems. uh, It really does. It seems that way. Piazza had sits on his back. That was the big thing with him, right?
1: Yeah. Wasn't that the issue? I might be looking at it through uh, red and blue colored glasses. Uh, You you might be, you know. And then, you know, Boston so adulates him, loves him, that you don't even think about the cloud. Well, we'll know in five or six years, right? We will.
2: But he will be the one guy that will challenge that whole theory. The cloudy the cloudy steroid theory. Mm-hmm. He'll be the guy who challenges because his numbers are undeniable.
1: Needless to say the Red Sox are our team of the week.
2: Yes. So we'll get that out
1: of the way. Kills me to even think about <laughs> it. So Sal, wild cards. Yeah. Now, you saw the Mets game last night, oh how it ended. God, what an f- unbelievable So Cespedes hits what should be a three run homer and what are they some of these stats are a little too much for me. Uh, Ender Inciarte runs 104 feet <laughs> to leap and, and Rob Cespedes catch of a three-run homer. You saw the catch on the rim. Oh, was unbelievable. I was watching it live. It unbelievable. It was an
2: unbelievable catch. I don't,
1: I don't need to know how fast he was going. Let, let's
2: back up for a second. So I <clears throat> have to be, because the Yankees game was out of control, and I kind of switched off, I was watching the Mets. So in the eighth inning, I think it was the eighth inning, pretty sure, Cespedes came up, and it was a tie game. The Braves had just tied it. The Mets had a 3-0 lead. Cespedes, i tell you what, Mets fans, you can have this guy, him and his stupid neon green uh, arm sleeves. <laughs> That guy, to me, is the kind of player that just drives me nuts. He comes up, Jimmy, in the eighth inning, hits a ball that he thought was a home run. So naturally, he poses and jogs down to first (coughs) base, ends up the ball went off the top of the fence and came back. He ends up getting a double when he should have had a triple. There was, I think, one out. Might have been no outs, but there was definitely only one out for sure. He should have been on third base with the winning run. You can knock him in with anything, right? He's on second base. Needless to say... The Mets didn't score in the eighth inning. So it's a tie game. They go to the ninth. And then, you know, he ends up coming up in the clutch situation. Give him credit. He had a great ball. I mean, he killed it. It was probably the deepest part of the ballpark almost. And the guy makes a great catch. But my point is they might have won the game in the eighth inning if he's on third base with one out. Mm -hmm. You never know how it plays out. But he didn't hustle, and the Mets lose the game. They got swept by the Braves. They got
1: swept by the worst team
2: in the league. It's, you know, like you said on the ride over here, sometimes those crappy teams are the most dangerous teams at the end of the year.
1: I'm glad we don't necessarily need to beat the Rays this weekend because the Rays are pretty tough against the Red Sox. So going into Thursday night, Mets, Giants, Cardinals, all 80 and 72. Mm -hmm. Tied for the wild card. Two of them will get in. Um, Be amazing uh, if they're tied on Sunday, a week from Sunday. So schedules, Mets. Home against the Phillies for four, at the Marlins for three, and at the Phillies for three. So they have the Phillies, seven of ten games.
2: And, and we've mentioned that their, their end-of-the-year schedule, the last month, is the easiest in the major leagues. Yep. But they just lost three to the Braves, so you can't count on
1: that. Giants the are uh, at Padres for four, home against the Rockies for three, home against the Dodgers for three. Yep. And then the Cardinals, team that you fear. I know. At the Cubs for three, home for the Reds for, and home for the Pirates three. So they seem to have the toughest with the Pirates and the Cubs, yeah, But uh, the Cubs do they have anything to play for? I would
2: think so. And the problem is they've got how many at home?
1: The yeah. Giants, the Cubs have, or the Cardinals have uh, seven. They've got at seven home. at home. It's a yeah. bad
2: thing for the Cardinals. They have the worst home record in Major League that surprises Baseball. Surprises me. It really a great environment there. So the, the the NL wild card is truly fascinating. <coughs> um, the AL wild card is is very good. But there's not three teams tied for that last spot. Now, where are we with Orioles and, and Blue Jays?
1: So right now, the Orioles. Are the it used to be it'd be Toronto at Baltimore. Now it would be Baltimore at Baltimore at Toronto. Barely as we ta- as we tape this, Baltimore would be in playing at Toronto. But so much can change. Detroit's breathing down their neck. Seattle's and, back in it. And Houston is ahead of Seattle, so yep. a lot to be decided. The I mean, i are two and a half out. Toronto, Baltimore would be the one I'd want to see.
2: Yeah, I think so. You I know, think it would be cool for the AAs. I don't care for
1: the Tigers. I don't know why. Not me either.
2: I don't like that team. And no. I really don't like the Seattle Mariners. They'll be I a new world champion. The
1: Royals are not going to make the playoffs. I've already
2: talked about them. I just don't like the Seattle teams. Yeah. <laughs> Gary doesn't like hearing that, but, you know, I, I don't like the Seattle teams. No, I, I understand Seahawks that. The Seahawks the Mariners. So
1: that's, they're tight, though. I mean, Bud Selig did this to create drama, and he has drama. And I
2: remember talking to our good friend Bob Matthews when they added the second <coughs> wildcard team. And this, I think it was right after. Wasn't it right after that 2011 insanity when yes. Longoria had the home run that knocked your guys and out? In Baltimore,
1: beat Boston. And I said,
2: Bob, if the, if they had had the second wild card, this whole night that was one of the greatest nights in baseball regular season history wouldn't have happened because right. all these teams would have gotten in if there were. And I, I'm totally wrong. The second wild card has been great. It's got more teams. Well, it involved. has
1: to a degree. I don't like the one game playoff.
2: Well, well what That's are you going to do? That's forced drama. What are you going to do? Of three. Best of, you'll be playing games in the middle of November. Well, no,
1: play a doubleheader. I mean, you know, that's your penalty. But, yeah. I mean, you know, you throw. look at the poor Pirates. They've had to go against, what, Bumgarner one year. Arietta. And, and Arietta one year. year. I mean, that's all you need. You you set up your rotation. I well, you hey, play 162 games for one You know one what I say game? about
2: that? Tough beans. Win your division. Yeah. Right? Win your division. Yeah. All right, you want to take a break? Let's do it. All right, we're going to take a break. For the biggest, juiciest steak sub in Rochester, visit Calabresello's Deli. 1386 Buffalo (coughs) Road and Gates. Stop in for lunch or take out subs. This is why it goes hot dogs, to your family gatherings, or tailgate party. Jim and I will be right back.
0: For the biggest, juiciest submarine sandwiches in Rochester, visit Calabresella's Deli on Buffalo Road and Gates. Sink your teeth into one of our signature hot or cold subs, including the Dominator, Colon Kicker, Italian Stallion, Assorted and more. Eat in, take out, or have us cater your next event. Visit us before your next backyard barbecue. We offer a full line of Zweigel's Hots, Sausages, and Deli Meats. Caliber Salads Deli, 1386 Buffalo Road in Gates.
2: And welcome back to Inside Pit. I'm Sal So We usually use the seven-minute stretch segment here, Jimmy, for the AL East. We've already talked a little bit about um, really all the teams, but uh, go a little deeper if you want to
1: I think Toronto and Baltimore need to regroup and realize now they've lost the division. They need to get into the playoffs. They're going to play each other. So let's look at the schedule. Baltimore still has Balt- uh, Baltimore has one game with Boston uh, Thursday night. Arizona for three. These, I hate these interleague games. How Arizona get into the end of their season schedule? I hate schedule. these interleague games. <laughs>
2: the Yankees had the Dodgers last week. Yeah. Why is that? That should thing? be done. Yeah. There are
1: some, well, they have to do it every day. They have to 15, do it every 15. week. You're right. I guess you're right. I hate the, and there's these, some some teams are off next Thursday. They have an off day, really? There's three games left in the season, and they, they can't play. Yeah. So, anyway, Baltimore plays Boston for one, Arizona for three. Then they're at the Jays for three and at the Yankees for three. So it seems like that's a tough road for them, literally. At the Jays, at the Yankees. Who knows what the Yankees' mindset will be there, though. Right, Um, yeah. You know, the Yankees aren't one of these teams that, like, they have to prove anything. I think when they're out of it, they're not going to be, like, the Rays or the Braves, you know. Right. They're the Yankees. Toronto, Yankees for four, Orioles for three, and then at the Red Sox for three. Those could be important games for the Red Sox. It brings up an important question. Um, Boston is... Breathing down Texas's neck for the best record in the league, and that's an important thing. You get to the ALCS, do you want to play well, in hot Arlington, or do you want to play at Fenway Park? You
2: want those games in Boston, for but sure. at, but
1: at what cost? Do they do they start price on Sunday to try to get that win, or do they hold them for the game one of the playoffs?
2: Yeah, I don't know if I'd do that. I'd keep them for the playoffs. Although,
1: you know what, Jimmy? They're
2: not. Their first playoff game won't be until if they play it's Sunday. Thursday, I believe. They play Thursday. Yeah. I know the Cubs are already locked Thursday in. Thursday, the sixth. Their first game, I think, is Friday. The yeah. seventh.
1: And by the way, is there anything wrong with Price and, and uh, Porcello being the uh, third and fourth games? Because when will you need them more than that?
2: I, I agree with that. Right? I, I so
1: maybe a split. Now you got Price and Porcello. I know There's the
2: Cubs are already talking about how they're going to line it up. They, their first two will be at home. <coughs> and Kyle Hendricks has been so dominant at Wrigley at, uh, at Field that why would you pitch Arietta? Why not? Why? Lester's going to start the opener and pitch Hendricks in game two yeah. and save Arietta for the road. But we'll see what happens.
1: So what do you like uh, to make the wild card in the AL?
2: I think that Baltimore and Toronto are going to hold on. I think it's going to be tough because nope, they're playing each other. Yeah. I just, I guess I'm more I'm rooting against the Tigers and Mariners. I don't yeah, think the I Yankees. Agree. I don't think the Yankees have the chops to do it. I just, I just don't. Now they've, now they're without Castro, who got hurt. Um, <laughs> their their lineup the last two nights against the Rays is basically been scramped. Yeah. I mean, it really has been scrapping. Bill do- Donovan Solano was playing. Um, Obviously Sanchez. They got all these young guys. Who's the other guy that I'm thinking of? I'm forgetting his name right now. Mason Williams is playing the outfield because Ellsbury was hurt for a couple of games. It's amazing that they've won these last two games. Even as, although it's the Rays, but still, I don't think the Yankees can get
1: there. I mean, there's so many teams ahead of them. That's the problem. Yep. It's it, if it was just one team. Like I said,
2: that Red Sox series, they were in the catbird seat to jump into oh, the if wild card position. Of those back. That that was what killed them, and that allowed Detroit and Seattle and now Houston. To jump ahead of them, and if now they can't If you had two of it.
1: those wins in that Thursday night game you should have had, right. uh, and the Sunday game, you would be a game behind the Orioles, yeah, playing the Orioles. They'd be right there. So, uh, the weekend crushed them. Well, let's talk about who's been the bright spot for the Yankees this year. Might be the team MVP, and he's only played a third, of the, third of the schedule. It's amazing. I laughed last week when people were talking about Rookie of the Year, but he might be it. Gary Sanchez, talk about him.
2: Gary Sanchez at this moment has 19 homers and 38 RBIs.
1: In 45 games. In
2: 45 games.
1: Quickest guy ever to do that in 45 games. Brian
2: McCann has played 120 games, has 19 homers. Starlin Castro has played 146 games, has 21 homers. Gregorius has 18, <coughs> Edward 14. The lead, the team leader for home runs is Carlos Beltran with 22, oh. who was traded a month and a half ago. Yeah. Sanchez has 19 homers. That's unbelievable. He might end up leading the Yankees in home runs this yeah. year after playing what? He's barely a, a
1: third of the season great swing. It's amazing. He has no holes in the swing I was watching him Sunday in the ESPN. He's
2: just you know, he's locked in Jimmy um, For some reason the Rays pitched to him last night the three-run homer They had no business pitching to him But they did because I guess they don't care they're out of it So they're just playing, you know, and whatever but he is locked in the only my only fear is that we've seen this before right with guys all across the major leagues who have these amazing starts to their career or go on an amazing binge and then it levels off and they never quite reach that level again. So it'll be interesting next year when he's the full-time catcher from day one. If he obviously he can't do this, but if he can at least be really good, you know, and yeah. and, and at least you know be a 30 home run guy and be a real good catcher. If he can do that, I'll be more than happy. I don't expect him to hit 50 home runs. No catcher no. does. But man, what a pace. What a start for his career.
1: Well, you need that in New York. You need one of those guys that maybe he can become the face of the franchise. He can be the Sanchez, as yeah. John Sterling says.
2: And he, oh, the Sanchino. He's the calling. Sanchino? Oh, yeah, the great Sanchino? His, his home run call is he's
1: the, he's the great Sanchino and Gary is scary. Do you think he sits at night and makes these things up? He's
2: such a fool. I, he just is such a fool to me. I, mean, I it, it, it it galls me that the Yankees broadcast team is John Sterling and Susan Walden, and she doesn't even bug me as much as he
1: does. Yeah, he, she's the better. I mean, of she it, actually
2: yeah. is the better of the two because she actually does know a good deal about baseball. I can't stand her voice; she makes me want a great fingernails. But
1: <laughs> can you imagine if Vince Gully had been the Yankee oh broadcaster all these years? Yeah, I know, worthy of the crown, right?
2: As, as if they as if they would have needed that greatness, right? They're already great enough for their franchise history. They probably didn't need Vince Scully. No. But it would have been Well they had Mel Allen. They did. They've had some great ones through the
1: years. The scooter know. was fun.
2: Scooter was fun. He, he was a great broadcast. I used to love. A, he was kind of a moron. But I he, used to love Messer and fun. White and Scooter. Me too. That's what I grew up on in the yeah. '70s. That's I used to. really I
1: literally would go to my room and you know didn't have cable TV and I shut the shut the lights and just listen to him. I felt like I was there. And you still
2: have Frank Messer's call on the Bucky Dent home run engraved in, 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 yeah. in your brain. It's still there,
1: right? It, it hurts. I can it. It hurts, it hurts less now. Well,
2: oh, it should. It, you've it hurts won, less. you won three World it
1: Series. It never goes away. Does it ever go away for you? Does O4 go away? Because you won so many.
2: Yeah, it's it's still there, but it's always. You know. It's not a it's not a major part of my distraughtness. No, it shouldn't <laughs> be. It shouldn't be. I mean, it was because, one time.
1: Yeah, you know, as we all know, they've won 27 they got World Lucky. Series. One
2: putt stole a base and turns the whole thing <laughs> around.
1: So so close too. Now uh, that Putz is the manager of the year, probably.
2: All right, one more break.
1: No, we're gonna do this week in baseball. Oh, this week in baseball. So, right. um, Sal, oh, you love fast games. In 1919, it was the shortest game in big league history. 51 minutes. Oh, I love it. The Giants beat the Phillies six to one. A lot of runs for 51 minutes. I like that. Uh, 1957. This week in baseball, the last game at Ebbets Field, and fans were over it at Brooklyn. Yeah. 6,700 fans. Yeah,
2: that's a shame. It really. Would you have gone? It went downhill. Oh,
1: would you have been so distraught? Like yes, yeah, the last game at Yankee Stadium. They're moving no, to California.
2: Probably would have gone. Tickets yeah. were 50 cents back then.
1: Well, Probably could have afforded paychecks it. Paychecks were like five fifty an hour, True. though, too. <laughs> um, now, this one was interesting. I never knew that. In 1963, this guy named John Pachorik, and you remember his brother Tom. Yeah. And to a lesser degree, his brother Jim. This guy went 3-for-3 three three for the Houston Colt 45s in a win over the Mets in his first game. Walked twice, 3 RBI, scored four times. What, a, what an amazing debut. He never played in the majors again. Why? Injured the next year, injured the year after that, and retired the year after that. And went into so he finished batting a thousand. Became a phys ed teacher, so he is rare among major league players in having a perfect batting average of 1.000, The only one to achieve this distinction with more than two turns at bat. The only one. He had O'Neal. a perfect day at the plate, and then he—he's a movie. This is why you're the master of trivia, Jimmy. And uh, and then because I have to—it's a Red Sox themed show. Gary's gonna probably give us a little Red Sox backdrop, right? Uh, Ted Williams finished the 1955 season with a 3.56 average but did not win the batting title because he didn't have enough at-bats. He was walked, uh, how many times was he? Well, he was walked 136 times in 54 and 71 times in 1955, and then they changed that rule because of this so it's plate appearances and not times at-bat. So he would have had two more batting titles. Two more? He would have had two more. Both years? Yes. The same thing happened in 54. Uh, he had uh, he, he, he had enough to win the batting title if he had enough at bats. They walked him. He was the Bryce Harper of his day.
2: Well, then they were smart to walk him because he was a great
1: hitter. Maybe the greatest ever. Wow, for you to say that. Uh, it, it pains me, but it's true. Now we can have a break.
2: All right, one more break. If you're listening uh, from out of town in Mr. Weigel's products, Calabresella's Deli <laughs> ships them. Uh, Abbott's Frozen Custards, Weigel's Whites and Reds, sausages, country sweet sauces, and much more. Order online at NewYorkStyleDeli.com. Jim and I will be back to finish off the show.
0: For the biggest, juiciest submarine sandwiches in Rochester, visit Calabresella's Deli on Buffalo Road in Gates. Sink your teeth into one of our signature hot or cold subs, including the Dominator, Colon Kicker, Italian Stallion, Assorted and more. Eat in, take out, or have us cater your next event. Visit us before your next backyard barbecue. We offer a full line of Zweigel's Hots, Sausages and Deli Meats. Calabresella's Deli, 1386 Buffalo Road in Gates.
2: And welcome back to Inside Pitch. I am Sal Majorana. He's your man. What's got you bugged this week?
1: (laughs) What's got you bugged before? And that's I'm watching the Red Sox Orioles game Wednesday night. And there's a close play at first. And I'm watching Buck Showalter looking at his guy, waiting for a call from his guy because they're reviewing the, the, the play in the clubhouse. Now, are you kidding me? You got to, the umpire saw it split second, bang, bang. You got to make that decision right now if you're going to challenge. You agree? I,
2: I think I said this last week. Yeah. I, I'm pretty well, sure. I'm stealing I s- your material. All right. I said this. If the umpire's got to make the call in real time, the manager should have to make his challenge in real time. If you truly believe that that play was out or safe or whatever it's going to be, then you say, I'm challenging it. You shouldn't get the benefit of having to wait 30 seconds to make sure it's right. And you know, it's a worthy challenge. What's the point? It just it makes the whole thing pointless. I think I've said it. Once they do this, replay has gotten them right almost about 99% yep. of the time. Yep. So to me, add a little bit of drama and make the challenge something that you really have to think about before you use it. These guys don't really have to think about it. They wait to see their own replay and then they say, okay, we're gonna challenge it because we know we're right. Well. I'd rather you challenge it if you're not sure if you're going to be right.
1: Now, football's got the time element of another play being called, right? So they either have to throw the flag or call timeout. Right, they've got call 35
2: or, or 40 seconds, yeah. whatever it is, between plays, and they've got to make the decision at that time. And very often, they do get the replay in time, and you'll see the coach frantically as they're at the line mm-hmm. of scrimmage get the flag on real quick. But, look, there's, there's many problems with instant replay in all sports. We know this. Baseball, honestly, it, it pains me to say, Jim, that replay has been good. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it ends up getting the call right probably 99% of the sure. time. So why wouldn't you do that? But I just hate the system yeah. that they go about definitely
1: it. definitely needs some tinkering in the off season. And uh, what was the one last week well, where they couldn't review the foul ball that the guy, right. he the thought Chisella it was a wild pitch, right. the Jim Joyce. Was it Jim Joyce? No, Jim it was, uh, Joyce. No, it was no, Jim Joe Joyce. West? No, it was Jim Joyce. Was it Jim Joyce again? Yep. I always get those two clowns mixed up. No, Joe Dewey. West
2: was in the news last week because he made the uh, after the Hendricks no-hitter fell apart in the ninth inning. Um, he refused to let Montero, the catcher, go out because they were stalling for time. Oh, right, 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 So Joe West created a rule on the spot that the catcher couldn't go visit the pitcher and Madden came out and screamed at him and they threw him out of the game.
1: If you ever want a good fun short video on YouTube watch the Madison Bumgarner and Joe West stare down.
2: Speaking of Madison Bumgarner, did you see that the other night with Puig? The the confrontation. No, how did you miss this?
1: I don't know. These two guys.
2: These two guys hate each other. There's there's no, they they have they have a history. The other night, Puig's up, check swing, uh, ground ball, and Bumgarner had to come off the mound uh, between first and home, makes the plate, throws him out. Puig finishes running through the baseline, and Bumgarner is looking at Puig like right off the bat. He's looking at him for whatever reason, probably because he hates him. Puig looks back. Okay, what he's want to do. And all of a sudden, they come together like Seriously. they're in a fight. It, it was totally on Bumgarner. I'm no Puig fan, but this was totally on yeah. Bumgarner. Why did he have to stare down yeah. Puig? And then, of course, Puig is going to stare him back. Bench is empty. Oh, got to check it and out. And the funny thing was, all the Giants that came off the bench from the bullpen <coughs> didn't even touch a Dodger. They went right to Bumgarner to keep him away because they can't afford A, getting them hurt, sure. or B, getting them suspended sure. at this time sure. of year. Bumgarner's a wacko, he really is. He's one of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball. This guy's got a wacko yeah. personality. I mean, there's competitiveness, and then there's stupidity. This was stupidity.
1: No, I'll have to check that yeah, out. Yeah, you
2: gotta watch. It was, it was really, really dumb. And I get that he hates Puig, but for crying out loud. Now, did you see what happened the other night now? The, tonight, or yesterday, I think it was?
1: Hmm.
2: I guess one of the Dodgers came up through the Giants' farm system with Bumgarner, and he he apparently talked Puig into sending a T-shirt over to Bumgarner, oh like no. a, like a kind of a can we be friends or whatever yeah. it was. And apparently they didn't talk to Bumgarner after, but it was received very well. Like oh. it was almost like they might bury the hatchet. Oh, now. that's good. He had it hanging in his locker after the game, so he wasn't around. You give me a lot picked. to investigate. So <laughs> it was I, apparently it has a happy ending. But man, those two guys, what a. What a, for, for, for Puig, who's kind of a nobody, right? He
1: yeah, will now, yeah. This is
2: the guy that Bumgarner has chosen to, you know, hate. It's kind of strange. Interesting. All right, we're done. Um, again, I'm Sal Mejarana. He's Jim Mandalero. Inside Pitch. You can find us on the uh, Channel 18 website, Rock Sports Network, and on iTunes, uh, search Inside Pitch, and you can listen to the show uh, there. Please subscribe and download. All right, Jim. For you and me, take hey, care. Have a great baseball right. I can only hope the Red Sox collapse. go